0: Hello listeners, welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 97. How's it going? How you doing? Greetings from Chatham County, North Carolina on this balmy friday afternoon it is about 90 degrees outside it is about 65 percent relative humidity it is sunny it is hot it is muggy i'm technically at work right now but nothing seems to be going on i'm just going for it uh i really like three-day weekends i really prefer them i wish i had a three-day weekend right now that would be really nice but i don't And I got a lot of gardening to do this weekend, so I'm going to try and sneak this in while no one seems super chatty at work at the moment. We'll see how that goes. It is day 511 of this pandemic quarantine. I guess if you don't count the part where I went to Alaska back when we thought this might be coming to an end, it's not coming to an end, is it? Shit's getting real again this week. Big presentation from the CDC, changes in guidance. I read an article this morning. There are 20 children hospitalized with COVID in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's kind of weird. The government doesn't. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. It's kind of weird. There is no easily available statistics on how many children are hospitalized. They just say it's between 1.5 and 3% of all hospitalizations. It's also a little hard to get a total hospitalizations, but, uh, you know, it'd be nice to know. It'd be nice to know. I guess I'm just going to sit here in this house until November when my daughter can get vaccinated. And if that's if that all works out and the test of the the, uh, trials for the vaccine for children under five work out. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I've been reading the latest news today. It's a little alarming, a little alarming. I'm not going to lie. I really want to go to New York. I miss New York. I miss you guys. I miss New York. I miss my favorite bars seeing human beings like once and then not seeing them again for a few weeks instead of seeing the same three human beings every day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the three human beings that I live with. But, you know, it'd be nice to see some other people once in a while. Uh Anyway, yeah, Chatham County doing great. It's very hot, not raining a whole lot, which is hard on the plants, but I'm doing my best trying to water them. Uh, we got one of those new fangled electrical meters on our house that everybody's freaking out about because they put out electromagnetic radiation. And uh, I totally caught the guy just, like, switching the meter without telling us. (laughs) And then I was like, what are you doing? And then he told me. And you could tell he was, like, going to be really nervous that I was going to be one of those conspiracy freaks about my electric meter. And I was like, that's cool, man. But, you know, you could tell us we're home. You could knock on the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he didn't. But he didn't. Yeah, that's the big news. Not a lot's been going on. Emma tried to go get a second booster shot today. They wouldn't let her have one. <laughs> that's a little sad. Uh yeah. I don't know, man. It's a little boring. I'm not gonna lie. I've been a little down this week. I'm feeling better today. I get down on Monday, you know, work, things like that. I I like I like work. I'm thankful to have my job. I find it interesting. I find the people wonderful. I find the work we're doing has a bit of nobility to it. I like it in general, but, you know, I'm just like, ugh, work. But then I'm like, well, what else would I do, you know? <laughs> it's tough. I try to keep myself busy. I try to keep myself busy. Uh, Yeah, this is all over the place today. I went and got a blood test. I am trying to get qualified, my insurance, to qualify me for semaglutide under the brand name Govi. It is a shot for weight loss, appetite suppressant thing. I, It does very well. Its clinical trials were very promising, and I kind of want to try it. I'm going to go on a diet again soon, and I'm going to start exercising again someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. But I thought I'd do it all at once. So I went and got the blood test last Wednesday. And you know what? My blood, for me, well, I'm on a statin. So that's definitely part of it. But it's all pretty good. Except I just have the lowest good cholesterol in the world. It's really crazy. What can I do to make my good cholesterol go up? I don't understand, man. It's very stressful. But anyway, I haven't heard from a doctor. So I'm like kind of thinking he's probably not gonna like get me insurance for this thing I don't know it's been a week I want to know what's up he's kind of a flake but I love him but he should tell me what's up so I don't have anything to report there (laughs) <laughs> Jane's doing well she's uh leaving her tantrum phase it's getting a lot better she's learned to use her words she uh, doesn't want to go to the bedroom which is where I take her when she has a tantrum usually I'll sit there with her in the bedroom I don't like exile her from the family or anything but she you know she's been she's been working with it it's' It's early days. It's been like four or five days since uh, the, the tantrums have started to subside, so we don't want to get too cocky about it. But she's been really quite pleasant the last week, I would say, and uh, it's nice. And she's very chatty, and I like talking to her. And she got really into cymbals the other day uh, with a C. I listened to a song, had a cymbal bang, and she's like, "What's that?" I am like, "That's a cymbal." Do you want to play with cymbals? So I took her into the room where I keep my cymbals and gave her a drumstick, and she started banging on them. It was really nice. That was a good moment. Primal symbol crashing therapy. Made me a little sad, though. I got those symbols from Paul Middleton, who we'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about him. And uh, that that was a little sad. But it was nice to see my daughter playing with those symbols. They don't get enough use. Work's going pretty well. Revenue's a little down, thanks to Apple and their noble pursuit of fucking over Facebook, who nonetheless had record revenue this quarter. And... Us little guys are just the people that are going to take the damage of it. Uh, Super cool, really into it. I spent a lot of time researching SaaS laws in different states. I have done this before. This is not a first thing, but when you're a SaaS company and you charge clients for software as a service, you have to follow the sales tax laws in many, many states, and they're all slightly different. And It's sort of compounded by states you have a nexus in, which means if you have employees or something else. And, like, weird things can make you have a nexus. Like, I use this fulfillment company. We have a little store for TimeHop. It sells T-shirts. It does very well, actually. It's very shocking how many people want TimeHop merchandise. It's quite nice. And, we, you know, we try to keep it fresh. We got, like, an employee that, like, puts new stuff in the store. And, you know, anyway, the, it's fulfillment out of this company in Texas. Great company. Strongly recommend them. Call Amplifier. But just using them gives me a nexus in Texas. I got a nexus in Texas. Which means I have to collect sales tax for any client I have with SAS revenue in Texas from dollar one. Some states, like, you know, they're like, you don't have to pay sales tax if you're not in the state until you do $500,000 or something like that. But uh, in Texas, it's dollar one. If you got a nexus in Texas and you got SAS clients in Texas, you got to pay sales tax after one dollar. Not something I expected from Texas. I thought they'd be kind of a more anti-tax state, but uh, nope. They're into it. So, you know, learning all about that stuff on this really great company called Sa- Sales Tax Defense. Strong recommend if you have sales tax issues. <laughs> that was kind of entertaining this week. Uh, what else? Talk to the auditors. Talk to some new employees on one-on-ones. Eh, it was fine. It's been a fine week at work. A lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. But they were all going pretty well. Uh let's see what else studio reorg the bench came yesterday two days ago the new workbench it's very nice it's uh, however not fully assembled as advertised it is unassembled it's in the garage I will be doing that tomorrow it's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast a little early is so I could get to the workbench very excited about that Moving on to the next uh, sort of step in this studio reorg. Uh, get that workbench. Uh, I know where it's going. It's going against this wall. But before I do that, I'm going to sort of use it as a hypothetical second workbench in the center of the room to see how things would fit together. So that, that could be interesting. I'm kind of excited about that. The record crates have not come yet. Uh, it's a little frustrating. I ordered them off this dude on Etsy. And he made a tracking label. Made a shipping label and a tracking number like two weeks ago. Hasn't shipped them. I am forgiving of people that make shipping labels and tracking numbers a day or two early because it happens. I do a lot of my shipping on the weekends, and then, you know, if I pack them up on Saturday and I miss the mailman, that means they don't go out till Monday. So, you know, I'm sympathetic, but it's been like two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, dude. These are like 300 bucks with shipping, and uh, I kind of want my record grates. But not yet. But not yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, like uh, now I'm two weeks into this new reorged studio, and it's pretty awesome. I'm into it. I like it. I like it. I want to get this workbench situation sourced out, sussed out, and this record crate thing. And then I want to get a treadmill. Although I got plenty of time for that because I get exercise in the summer. It's for the winter. I just did not exercise enough last winter. I probably say this every episode. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it again this year. (laughs) Another year at home, another winter at home all alone. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Gardening. uh, You know, I'm on the rebound. On the rebound. There was a new album. It's really good. Um, As you know, the animals ate most of my garden and uh, I ordered a bunch of stuff to defend against these animals. And I've started replanting for fall and it's working out actually. So I, I covered my birdies' beds with net net mesh netting and uh, the beans. I got all these cool cloches to put over, like, containers. And so far, I did all that over the last last weekend. Planted some new stuff. Uh, I've planted new cucumbers, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, beans, bush beans, soybeans. All that's planted. A bunch more is happening this weekend. And so far, the cages and netting is all working. So what I think I might do is I might make a huge sort of hoop house. Like I got a lot of I got a lot of netting and I got a lot of um, hoops, and I might just like hoop up like a whole big area, like twenty by twenty, of my my mulch bed outside my window here, and just put all the containers in it rather than hooping individual containers, which only works when the plants are small, right? A lot of these are cucumbers that they're gonna trellis and stuff, and it's like I need to do something else. So I might, like, just put everything under one big hoop house. I might experiment with that this weekend. We will see. We will see. But, yeah, I mean, I think I'm through the worst of it. My tomatoes tomatoes aren't working great, man. Like, even with the netting now, the, the, the squirrels aren't getting them anymore, but they just did so much damage to them. They're, like, sad. Plus, it's summer in this heat. It's not their best. Hopefully, they'll rebound for the, the fall. Uh, the ones out in the garden in the in the dirt are doing great, but they are red right they're not they're not protected, so they, they're still getting all the fruit eaten off of them, but they're very much, much, much more bushy. I can definitely grow tomatoes in my soil. so I am going to try and protect those and then uh, next year I'm just gonna plant all of my tomatoes in the ground. Just no more containers. Containers are problematic, I think. Plant. I used to think that I liked containers because it kept the plants kind of small and I don't need a ton of produce. But in fact, it's just not working out. So live and learn, live and learn. Yeah. Uh, And then it says now I am empty on my notes for this podcast (laughs) because I don't have any new projects. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of some new projects. The daily email posts are going well. Uh, Lisa, the editor, is... She's slowly working on it. Haven't heard from the Japanese editor since I handed off that project to him. I don't really care how long either of these people take. They're out of my hands. They're being worked on. I have written the books. So that's fine. Um, I really want to start Which Half Is Wasted again, but I just don't know if I'm up for it. Oh my God, to be so good. I'm getting close. I might just rewrite that book. I, I might just do it. It just needs to be done. I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's get to the media part of this podcast where things are new and different (laughs) I have stayed pretty good about my media situation (laughs) I'm like the rest of my life uh yeah anyway plex editions I added four things oops we got a beep uh all right that's exciting my friend Holly in England has mailed my package from she went to Selfridges for me to the Factory Records exclusive Selfridges items area and bought me a post a pillow <laughs> with the Joy Division cover of Closer on the pillow and some Factory Records coasters because I'm a lunatic. And uh, so that, that, that's good. She's just mailed them out to me. Very exciting. Uh, anyway, four Plex editions. Uh, first reformed first man total coincidence i got those from netflix back to back isle of dogs the wes anderson animated things never watched that i was uh tagging it and putting it into the folders when i ripped it and i was like mm-hmm. i should really watch this movie one of these days <laughs> so hopefully i'll watch that soon and then i purchased the blu-ray of brotherhood of the wolf which has a great new american blu-ray uh with a bunch of extras and looks really great it came with a poster probably won't hang that poster up but uh that's up in plex as well so if you're interested in any of those and you don't have access to my plex let me know uh music discogs i sold three things on discogs i sold a copy of nowhere by ride a deluxe edition with a pretty cool lenticular cover totally forgot i owned it i own like so many copies of that album <laughs> but i own the vinyl twice and I used to own an autograph CD. I might still own an autograph CD. Uh, I went and got it signed from them on the Nowhere Tour when they did an auto- autograph signing with Lush at Newberry Comics in Harvard Square. Anyway, sold that. 60 bucks, Good deal. It's like somebody else can have it if they want it. But then I sold. This is pretty weird. I sold the CD by a band called The Apes of God. Uh, San Francisco-based uh, experimental noise band, sort of in the negative land vein from the early 90s. I got a promo copy of this CD 30 years ago when I was working at a radio station. I really just loved it. I love this album. I love this album to this day. I've never known anybody else to like this band. The album is called Solitaire, You Own the World. And this guy bought it, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's only a dollar. I mean, like, there's nobody else that's into this. And I've ripped it, you know, to lossless, So, I mean, like, give it a new home, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I've never met another Apes of God fan. He's like, I've never actually heard them, but I'm a collector of early or 1980s underground San Francisco noise tapes. And this guy and this band did a lot of them. And I was like, well, I love this band, so I hope you enjoy this. And I'm glad it's going to a good home. So that's pretty cool. Made a friend. <laughs> uh, and it's going to a good home. And then I sold the Boo Radley CD, Boo Forever. It's a CD single. I love the Boo Radleys. They're a great band. I met that guy, Martin Carr, at South by Southwest at Club DeVille one year. you we were both watching the American Music Club together. It was, no, the American Analog set together. Nice guy. Nice guy. Uh, good band. I might listen to them again one of these days. Got a bunch of vinyl in the mail. Nothing like last time I talked to you guys. Uh, You know, again, to recap, I have my want list on Discog sorted by new arrivals priced low to high. And I check it every morning. So what happens is things get listed. They're like three bucks. And I buy them. So it's a lot of vinyl, but it's not a lot of money. I I feel like I have to reiterate this often. (laughs) I buy the CD. I sell the CDs. People get the CDs. I add them to my want list later on, sometimes years later. A cheap vinyl copy, usually kind of beat up, shows up on Discogs, and I buy it. And uh, through this now going on eight-year process, seven-year process, I am slowly converting my CDs to vinyl for the ones I want, the ones I don't want. don't do that again right so it's not all of them but you know i have a very long want list because of this because i've sold well over a thousand cds on discogs through the years so just just a few minutes ago i was listening to two of the purchases uh controlled bleeding experimental noise band started in boston in 1978 went on to be signed to wax tracks records and uh i was obsessed with wax tracks records when i was in high school in fairbanks alaska in the late 80s And we would buy whatever we could get our hands on from Wax Trax, including the Controlled Bleeding Songs from the Grinding Wall 12-inch, which I owned on CD but sold off sometime in the last six years. And uh, I really wanted to listen to it again, and I I got a copy for like 2 bucks. and it arrived a couple days ago. I just cleaned it on the vacuum cleaner, and I listened to it, and it was great. I love good, weird, uh, 80s-era industrial drone music. <laughs> it made me really happy. And uh, on that note, I actually got two things from this guy. I also got the Clock DVA Sound 12-inch from the exact same era of Wax tracks Records. A little bit, a bit less banging on sheet metal industrial drone and more like synthesizer industrial drone. Uh, they come from England, from Sheffield. I'm very into it. Uh, I was supposed to see them live in Brooklyn right around the time I was moving, and something happened, and I couldn't go, and I'm super bummed. But, uh, yeah, I got both of those, two of my favorite Wax Racks releases. My favorite DVA Wax Racks release is The Hacker. I don't have that yet on 12-inch, so uh, hopefully one of these days. And from that same seller, I got the Spiritualized I Think I'm In Love 12-inch, which I did not own, and I thought I owned every sp- release by Spiritualized. It's just got the regular Ladies and Gentlemen are Floating in Space version on the A-side and the Chemical Brothers remix on the B-side. Own both those songs from the CD single I once owned and sold off, but I'm happy to have the 12-inch. It's got good packaging. Speaking of Spiritualized, Ladies and Gentlemen, we are Floating in Space. Jason Pierce of Spiritualized has been working on a reissue series this year, slowly one-by-one one reissuing each of the Spiritualized albums. A little bit disappointed in the Spiritualized reissue series, not going to lie. Um... To be clear, Uh, two of them are out so far. Laser Guide Melodies and Pure Face. They're great. They sound great. They're awesome. not super into the whole changing the cover of every album thing, but I guess if it works, uh, I would have bought them anyway. Uh, They're remastered. They they, they sound amazing. Um, But, you know, he's skipping over some kind of vital stuff. He did not reissue Fucked Up Inside, the live album, which is just fantastic. It has been reissued, but it's not a great reissue. It really deserves a deluxe reissue. Uh, Same with the Electric Mainline EP. Would have loved to have seen a reissue of that as well. But anyway, he just announced this week that, ladies and gentlemen, we're floating in space is being reissued. It comes out in September. It's for sale on the Fat Possum website and on spiritualize.com. I bought two copies and the coffee mug. I did not buy the amazing silver tote bag that is for sale. Because right, I already bought <laughs> I already bought at least one spiritualized coffee mug this year. I have a problem. Also, I don't drink coffee. But uh, yeah, that's out. If you want to get it, it won't it won't come up for a while. We'll talk about it when it arrives. Uh, let's see what else. I also got same thing, cheap used uh, the two Ultra Vivid Scene albums. The first two Ultra Vivid Scene albums. There are three: uh, self titled and Joy, 1967 to 1990. Uh, very very into those albums in high school. Had them on CD. Very excited to get vinyl, original vinyl pressings, Uh, semi-original. They are the American vinyl pressings on Columbia, not the original 480 pressings, but they were less than five bucks each, so it's worth it. They sound great, great condition. Beautiful Von Oliver sleeves, very happy to own them. Uh, Another order just came in of under $10 records, The Arms of Someone New again. I talk about these guys all the time. I've been on a big Arms of Someone New kick, but this is it. This is the last piece of vinyl that they ever put out. It just arrived. It's the Every 7th Wave 12-inch came yesterday. Haven't listened to it yet. But uh, that's it. I got no more Arms of Someone New to collect in the year 2021. During this pandemic, somebody will be like, what did you do? I'll be like, well, I collected all of the the vinyl releases by the Chicago 80s goth band, the Arms of Someone New. Actually, I don't think they're from Chicago. I think they're from Indiana. Anyway, very excited about that. And I got the South Wales Striking miners Choir and Test Department. Uh, (laughs) I already had one album by these two groups (laughs) called A Good Night Out on vinyl. I got the other one, Shoulder to Shoulder, Uh, Test Department, another industrial band. I've been very into like 70s experimental noise and industrial again of late. We'll talk about that more in a while, but uh I am very familiar with this album. I owned it on CD for a long time. I have not listened to the vinyl yet. It just arrived, so that is very exciting. I uh, got some new pieces of vinyl, Uh Bobby Gillespie and Jenny Beth from Savages. Bobby Gillespie from Primal, Primal Scream, Jenny Beth from Savages made an album called Utopian Ashes. I bought it. I assumed it would sound like Primal Scream and Savages, and it does not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be, like, the, the greatest punk rock record in 2021, you know? But no, it's like a weird album. It's a concept album about divorce with, like, some pretty serious songs. It's kind of intense and kind of poppy, and I really like it, but it was not at all what I was expecting. Uh, that's miscategorized. I did not, in fact, buy that on vinyl. Hold, please. Boop, 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 boop. Move that down here. Okay. Uh, what else? Missing anything? Oh, and then, finally, my Cindy Talk albums came in. Yeah, so I told a little bit of this story on my daily email. So some of this will be repetitive to the most avid consumers of the Rick Webb media empire. Uh, But in 1996, I, along with my friend Annie, brought this band, Cindy Talk, to America. Cindy Talk is a band that features uh, someone that goes by the name of Cinder now, uh, originally called Gordon Sharp. He back then he is now she was the voice the heavenly voice on several of the this mortal coil songs on their first album it'll end in tears sing on holocaust which I first heard in high school and I was just amazed and freaked out and thought it was the most amazing voice I'd ever heard and uh, one great thing about this mortal coil which is the Artistic project of Ivo Watts Russell, the founder of 480 Records, is you know, he does these albums and they're all mostly covers and he does them with guest musicians, but he is very good, was very good about listing on the albums. So if you owned one of these records, which I bought from the comic shop in Fairbanks, Alaska, that had one little bit of records and it's a whole thing, it's like that comic shop and that bin of records saved my life. I swear to God. Anyway, uh, he lists all the bands. So it'll be like, you know, so-and-so you know, guy from modern English, Elizabeth Frazier from the Cocteau twins and Cindy talk. And this is how I learned about Cindy talk. Um, I could not obtain any Cindy talk records in Fairbanks, Alaska, but when I got to Boston in 1990, I pretty rapidly acquired, uh, the first two records. Uh, and I was obsessed. And then around 96, uh, Wappenshaw came out came out first with a seven inch single called muster, which is uh, just amazing. And, and uh, Annie, my friend, Annie, we were later in a band together. She was the, the other vocalist guitarist in Rockets versus the street lives. When I met her, she was putting out a zine and this zine had a feature with, uh, then Gordon, now Cindy of Cindy talk. And Annie was in touch with her. And so, you know, uh, the album came out, Wap and Shot, on world serpent records, which is a great label out of England, world serpent distribution, Touch Draw was the record label, you know, Cindy's own record label. Uh, But World Serpent also distributed, like, Current 93 and Nurse of Wound and things like that. But they didn't do a lot of American distribution, so it became very clear that Cindy Talk was not going to have an American release, and they were probably not going to do an American tour, and Annie was talking to her, and she said she'd really love to do an American tour, so we scrounged up the money, and we brought them over to America. The whole band, uh, including... Cindy, but including uh, Paul Middleton on drums, uh, Mark Stevenson, David Ross on bass, uh, Paul Jones on guitar. Just fantastic band, fantastic band. And uh, we did maybe 20 dates around the country with some really great opening bands, Bowery Electric, Trance of the Sun, uh, Sunshine Blind. It was just great. It was great. Um, It's very intense time. We didn't all get along all the time. We're all crammed in this van for a lot of for six weeks. Uh, we lost money because of the van rental, mainly the shows did well. They're very well attended. I was not the world's best tour manager. Uh, the band would, you know, like not follow my <laughs> dictatorial instructions about where and when to be places. And I would yell at them and we'd all get cranky with each other, We're all crammed in this band and sleeping on people's floors and cheap hotel rooms, loading gear. Oh my God. It was, it was a tour. That's how they are. You know? But uh, it was also one of the most amazing things we did, and the shows were just phenomenal. And I, you know, I think about it all the time. And uh, Paul Middleton, the drummer, recently passed away. We had stayed in touch the whole time. Passed away in 2019. I actually talked about it on this podcast when it happened. It was very sad. Uh, he had another band called The Infinite Three that I was very into for these last few years. Anyway, in parallel to all that, but back when I lived in Boston, I lived with this guy named Mike Anderson, and We had met this dude who was way younger than us. We were probably way younger. Now the age difference would be immaterial. But I think I was like 24, and I think this kid was like 16 or 17, and he was really into the same music we were into, and he had money, and we were dead broke. And we would often sell him really rare records to make rent, Mike especially. I had a a little bit more money from my job, but we would both sell this kid records. (laughs) And then, you know, I mean, it was Boston. We stayed in touch. We, I knew him for years. He eventually became a DJ, started this great night in Boston called start that everybody went to. I just loved it. It was a super good time. I moved to New York. He moved to New York. He became the DJ of this great night at lit lounge. And, uh, eventually went on to start this record label that is now great record label. I talk about it with some regularity called Deus records. And, this week, after uh, about I don't know, at least I he, we've been talking about it. his name was Gibby. He started this label with a guy named Ryan. But we I've known he's been tell, he told me about it about six seven months ago that he was going to re release the Cindy Talk records, and so they finally came out. The third and fourth album. The third album, "The Wind Is Strong," which is sort of a side, not a side project, but you know, I think he call, I think it's called like a discursion in the album. It was a soundtrack to an unreleased film, and then the fourth album, and Shop which is just amazing. It's the one we did the tour for, although we, the band ended up, ended up not playing very many songs from the album because there's a whole bunch of other songs that were just as amazing that have never been released. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I have live recordings of them, but like I just, oh my God, they were so good. They were so good. Anyway, these albums are finally out. You can order them from Deus Records. They are beautiful releases. Uh, There's T-shirts as well, which is great because the T-shirts from the tour that we had released have all fallen apart. (laughs) And uh, they just look gorgeous. Colored vinyl, beautiful prints. It's, It's amazing. So it's really been sending me on quite a nostalgic trip back to both the 90s and then the story Cindy would tell in the car. Cindy and Paul... Where you know, lived in the squats in the 80s in England, they've been around forever and and like told me, you know, would tell stories about the old squatters' rights movements and things like that. And it was just, uh, just you know, got me thinking about all that. So the albums have come out, they're as beautiful as they ever are. A few songs are up on Spotify so far. I assume that the rest of the album will be up there soon, but uh, just yeah, Whew, that took me back, man. Anyway. Moving on. That's all the vinyl that came in. Other albums I listened to this week. This is also a shorter list than the last episode. Uh, Black Wing. Great goth band that Bill Pierogi up in Boston got me into. Uh, this album is called Is Doomed. Dot, 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 Is Doomed. As in Black Wing is doomed. And it's awesome. Black Wing is awesome. I'm so into this band. I'm so thankful he got me into this weird dirgy goth band. Marianne Faithful has a poetry album with music backed by Warren Ellis called She Walks in Beauty. I listened to it. It was fine. I do not really like poetry uh, or spoken word. <laughs> I don't really listen to podcasts either. But uh, and the music sounds like the music from the last few Nick Cave albums because that's what happened, what Warren Ellis does these days. Uh, got really into this band this week called Mannequin Pussy. And I've listened to two of their albums so far uh Perfect. And then I just finished another one a few minutes ago. I guess I didn't put it on my list so far. Mm-mm, Mannequin Pussy. Patience. Perfect and Patience. Man, what a great band. Uh, it's kind of punk rocky, uh, mostly woman singer. It's great. Strong recommended. It. it just, oh, yeah, man. Per, mannequin Pussy. Don't know anything about him. I haven't looked him up yet. Don't remember who got me into him. Don't remember where I found him, but uh, yeah, man. Rock and roll. Fantastic. Uh, I listened to the new Liz, Liz Fair album, Soberish. Uh, Emma reminded me we have tickets for Liz Fair and Garbage in a couple months in an outdoor amphitheater, and we're sort of debating whether or not we're going to go. And then Liz Fair just recently announced she's not going for personal reasons. She's off the tour. Uh, but because I was going to be seeing her soon, theoretically, pre-Delta and pre-her canceling, I was like, oh, listen to the new Liz Fair album. I didn't really like it. It's not my thing. Uh, I respect it, and I'm glad she made it. And it sounds very cathartic for her, but it was not something I was super, super into. Uh, On Spotify, there is a two album compilation of B-sides and rarities by the arms of someone new. (laughs) So I listened to that as well. It's got Love, Power, Justice. Some of the stuff on the Every 7th Wave uh, 12 inch I got is on there, but most of it is just stuff that isn't on any of the vinyl I got because they're primarily early on a cassette band. And I'm not going to I'm not going to get into the world of collecting early 80s cassettes. It's too much of a hassle. So I'm thankful for this compilation and it was very good. Luke Haynes has a new album. Luke Haynes is the mastermind behind one of my favorite bands, Black Box Recorder and uh the O'Tours. And he's got a new album called Setting the Dogs on the Post Punk I can't even say it. Setting the Dogs on the Post Punk Postman and uh it was fine uh the the lead single ecstasy spy is pretty catchy and the song setting the dogs on the post punks post man was pretty funny and i enjoyed it but uh, a lot of the album just kind of went you know in one ear and out the other it, it is gonna get a second listen though quickly quickly is the name of the band uh album is called shay s-h-a-e it's kind of smooth Kind of mellow. Uh, I kind of liked it, but also it wasn't distinctive enough that I remember it super well. Daddy Frere, Welcome. I will say the exact same thing about that. Uh, added a song or two to my hotel W Hotel Lobby playlists. Uh, a little bit more electronic than Quickly Quickly. Uh, but just sort of lacking a little bit of like uh, distinctiveness, I feel like. Uh, then there's another one, Willow, all caps. And the album is called App Dip. I don't know how to pronounce that. Also pretty smooth. Uh, not really my thing. A little, maybe a little, like, uh, I don't know. I, a, I don't know. Maybe I got all the... I don't know why I'll be listening to these back-to-back. But uh, there was a song on there I really liked, though, called Marceline. It was a really great song. And there's there's something to it. I will I will listen to more by Willow. I will listen to more by Willow. Kylie V, really into Big Blue. That was a great album. A singer-songwriter, woman, uh, mellow, sparse, ambient. Uh her- <laughs> I know these descriptions are all the same. I guess I just listened to a ton of music by like really mellow people for a while there. Uh, and then there's one called The Marias that I don't even remember. The album was called Cinema. I made no notes about it and have no recollection about it. And then Holly McVee, who I love. Uh, I've talked about her and her new album. I'm really, really into it. I went back and listened to her first album and it's called Golden Eagle. It was more country than the one I'm really into, the new one, but uh I enjoyed it a lot. Kind of like early the 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 sad parts of early Casey Musgraves. That's what I'll call that. Matt LaJoy, Everlasting Spring. I've talked about him before. He's an ambient uh artist, uh long, mellow, instrumental ambient pieces with a little bit of rhythm to them. Um It's interesting because I really liked it and it makes me think now if somebody had called Quickly Quickly or Dottie Frere ambient, I would have liked them because I would have had lower expectations about it being distinctive. I'm going to have to dwell on that. But uh, yeah, I really like this. I really like Matt LaJoy. My friend Vicky got me into him and um, she was not wrong. Very, very into it. There's a new EP by The Place to Bury Strangers called Hologram. It's a lot less noisy than the old stuff, but I really liked it, especially track three. the Goon Uh mirror Two, the goon Sacks is a pop band from Australia. One of the people in the band is the son of one of the go-betweens and uh, kind of sounds like a modern version of the go-betweens. I mean, you know, it's pretty jangly pop. I thought it was going to be kind of weird with a name like the goon Sacks, but but uh, it's, it's pretty poppy. Uh, yeah. I've never been a huge fan of straight ahead kind of boring. Like, <laughs> well, that's that's not fair to call it that. I've never been a huge fan of straight ahead pop. I like teen pop bombastic synth things like Britney and I like you know weird fuzzed out crazy pop like the Jesus Mary chain but just like sort of like you know they they have a name for it I don't remember what the name is you know just like like those people that make pop music like Elvis Costello and stuff like that not my thing never has been uh Hattie Cook Two albums by Hattie Cook, Blissland and The Sleepers. She is instrumental, and she's synth, and it's pretty mellow, but it's it's more like classical, artistic mellow, and I really, really like Hattie Cook. Uh, both those albums are really great. Don't know where she came from, don't know who got me into her, but I was very into them. A month or two ago, my friend Adam sent me a track from Cleaners from Venus, one of the side projects, of what's his name, from <laughs> XTC, Andy Partridge old album from like the 80s and i i don't I, I thought to myself i may have listened to this back then and then when i lived in boston in the late 90s in this house with my friend dave thompson who was in a power pop band called the pills that's the term i was looking for earlier uh he was really into andy partridge and xdc and xdc was doing those apple venus albums then and I feel like I did go listen to Cleaners from Venus back then, but I'm not, I couldn't remember for sure, so I marked it down as something new I listened to, Midnight Cleaners, their album, and I quite enjoyed it. I like the mix of experimental and pop in one. See, that, that makes it work for me with the pop. Uh, an old casual acquaintance friend of mine from God, like 25 years ago, Man Racing, Boston Goth Industrial, is now a pretty well-respected electronica artist, and she actually lives somewhere near me. But I never knew her well enough. We're, we're Facebook friends. But I never knew her well enough to like go visit or anything. And of course, we're in the pandemic now. But I saw on her Facebook she put out a new EP. It's called Soft Apocalypse. Her name is Eartha Harris. And it's pretty good. It's like cool electronica, a little bit house, a little bit chill wave. And I enjoyed it very much. John Grant, who I've been talking about with some regularity, has a new album. My friend Nikki let me know about it. I had no idea. It's called The Boy From Michigan. Gave it one listen to yesterday, and I quite enjoyed it. Started about four tracks. Uh, it's like the last album, Queen of Denmark, without the weird spoken word tracks, although there is one that has a little bit of that spoken word thing to it. I still do not consider myself much of an expert about this guy. I've only been into him for like a month or two, so I don't feel quite qualified, but I liked it. I liked it. Uh, listen to the new Dark Side album, Spiral. That was great. I really liked it. It's Mellow Drony. It sounds like the first dark side album, which I only just discovered a little while ago because I was never the biggest uh, grizzly bear fan or anything like that. And I was very bitter because of uh, <laughs> the Dark Side <laughs> Pete Baseman from Spaceman Three's band after Spaceman Three. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just listened to this album yesterday and I really, really liked it. I also listened to the new Eve Timor, Eve Toomer, sorry. The asymptitical World Asym Asym. The symptomatical, asymptomatical world that's how you pronounce it uh and sound a little bit like this guy andre obin from boston who i did not know but all my friends love and i have been listening to because they love him like a mix between shoegaze and rock and, and a few other genres and i really like i like the eve timor album but i was like this sounds like andre obin to me which is probably not a normal reaction so maybe that's not fair uh, just finished the new Claro album, Sling, uh, Soft and Quiet, <laughs> female vocalist, like, what well, I the stuff I listened to the last two weeks, uh, but it was great. Just sound kind of like Phoebe Bridgers, really like that Blouse song. I liked the whole album, but, uh, I was like distracted, so I need to give it another listen. And then just this morning as well, I listened to the DGs, the, uh, Dave Grohl BGs cover EP, Hail Satin, which was good. And I wrote about this this morning, but, uh. In Boston, there was this band called the Boy Joys. It was a Bee Gees cover band, and it was just amazing. And they would play, like, everything all from all of the BG's catalog. Obviously, they play things like Massachusetts because we were in Boston. but, You know, I started a joke in the non-disco tracks, but, you know, they're who I learned horizon- about Horizontal from. They did an amazing version of Very Christian Lionhearted Man Will Show You. <laughs> Just the crazy, weird stuff. And I kind of wish that Dave Grohl had dug a little deeper into the Bee Gees canon. But uh, I liked his versions. I like, you know, adding a little rock drive to them really worked for them. It's good. So that was it for music this week. Uh, I really spent a lot of time listening to the old Q, which had gotten up to 60 hours. The old Two Investigate Q, bands that I have mentioned to you already, but said deserved a second listen. And I gave everything in there the, the attention it deserved over the last two weeks. It took a really long time, and I got it all cleared out. So that's why there isn't as much new stuff over the last two weeks. TV, we're still watching uh, Mythbusters every night. <laughs> The only thing is we work in uh, Brickmasters, the Lego reality show. (laughs) God, we're just not watching much TV. And then I'm watching The Bad Batch, the Star Wars thing, which has actually gotten a lot better. I said that last week, too, and it's gotten even better. They are getting more into canon. They're doing interesting shit. Young Harris and Dula showed up in it. It's uh, it's. It's tying together different timelines of the Star Wars universe, and it's very well done. And I'm starting to realize that the MCU could learn more from Star Wars. I used to think it was the other way around because of the failure that is the Rise of Skywalker, the last Star Wars movie, really suffered from being trapped in this trilogy thing, and they couldn't make it to films like they could with Endgame, et cetera, et cetera. But Dave Filoni is managing the TV universe of Star Wars so much better than the TV universe is being managed by the MCU. I've been reading some articles recently saying that the MCU TV universe is going to get more interesting because they're going to start bringing some of the characters from the Netflix shows Daredevil, Jessica Jones at all into the TV shows on Disney Plus, Hawkeye and stuff like that. So that's cool. But, you know, they're really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the most problematic one. They need to bring that back in the fold. And I just feel like it's going to happen again. I'm watching these TV shows and they're just going to end up meaning nothing to the movies. But Dave Filoni is doing it really well, even with the children's shows. Bad Batch, solid, solid stuff. (laughs) And then I watched uh, McCartney 321, Rick Rubin interviewing Paul McCartney. And it was really good. It was a little too long, but I was enraptured for about four episodes. And uh, I wish they had talked about temporary secretary. (laughs) I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about Rick Rubin in a moment. And then, uh, let's see, we watched the Matrix prequel or sequels. Why did we do this? I don't know. I don't remember why it happened, but I was like, I I have to watch the Matrix sequels again. I was like, no, you don't. They're not good. And he was like, no, I do. I need to watch them again. And there was some evening, it it was Emma's turn with Jane, and I was downstairs, and all my YouTube home improvement and educational video content for the day had been done, and I had about a half hour left, and I was like... Guess I'm going to start the Matrix sequels. Oh, I remember why. It's because I was watching an interview with Adam Savage and Fawn Davis, who is another sort of practical effects guy who used to work at ILM and then other video company or VFX companies and owns his own company. And Adam Savage was interviewing them and they were talking about their time when they worked together on the Matrix sequels. It was very interesting because they rented these giant hangars at the Alameda Naval Air Base out near San Francisco. And if you're a Mythbusters fan, you know full well that the Alameda Naval Air Base is a place that Adam Savage and, and the MythBusters spend a ton of time at, and I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting insight that that whole time at the MythBusters." When he was going to Alameda, he's like, "Yeah, I used to go. I, he used to go there every day for work for a year when he was working on the Matrix sequels. It's also where they made the they made the highway for the highway scene in the second Matrix movie. Anyway, the takeaway from all that is that the matrix sequels are actually not bad. They're a little too long. The effect shots are too long. The bullet time stuff is kind of boring. Now it looks very dated. uh, And they kind of knew it. They use it a lot less in the third movie, but um, the rest of them is good. The plot is actually, it's got a little bit too many side quests, but the main plot is pretty interesting. The, the, Machine Invasion of Zion is just an amazing sequence. The love beats, romantic beats, are decent. Like, there's a lot to like about them. I had in my head they were like Star Wars prequels level bad, and they are not. They are not that bad. I wouldn't call them great films, but they're far better than I realized. And, and you know, my wife wisely said expectations can be a hell of a thing. <laughs> I went into them expecting them to be complete garbage, and they're not complete garbage. So that's something. Uh, and then I watched that Woodstock 99 documentary. Uh, I don't know if that qualifies as a movie. It's an hour and a half. It's, it's this weird thing going on now, where they like make new series on HBO, and then they have one episode of the series. And oh, the Britney documentary was another one like that. That was technically one episode of a new series. I don't think episode two has ever been out. And This too, this one is Bill Simmons has a new series, and uh, Ringer presents music things. And uh, the Woodstock documentary is technically episode one, but it's clearly a a documentary and it's a film. So I'm putting in the film section and I keep thinking about that. And we're talking about it with my friends and I've written about it for like three days in a row. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. I think some of its premises are a little off and problematic. And I think way more of the blame belongs in the organizers of the festival. And I think they're going to dug more into the, the pathos of the angry young man. That was really that, that liked Lincoln park and corn. But, uh, nonetheless it is still a very interesting documentary and you know it's interesting i knew that thing was going to be a shit show i knew it was going to be bad i remember it vividly my roommate went i remember his girlfriend begging him not to go i remember like just knowing it was going to be terrible and like it turned out to be terrible and he came back and he was like oh that was a shit show i'm like yeah dude anyway it caused a lot of drama in my household whatever but uh Yeah, I remember all of this, and it just seemed obvious it was going to be bad. Also, that Air Force base where the Woodstock 99 took place is where my aunt and uncle Jack and Fred met when they were in the Air Force. They were both stationed there, so that was kind of funny. Uh, Yeah, and then on the book front, I finished uh, Concrete Planet, the Strange and Fascinating Story of the World's Most Common Man-Made Material by Robert Cortland which is way more history than I realized. Uh, I thought it was going to be a book about now and concrete. And it was by the end about like why concrete fails. This is really one of the books that sort of put on the radar that our concrete was garbage and that we're going to have to rebuild it all. It was very interesting. I, I now understand concrete a lot better. I understand why it fails. I understand cracks and rebar and rust. I understand the different mitigation techniques. I understand different fabrication or, you know, uh, metals and, and materials we could use for our rebar the different sort of like compounds that we can put in concrete. Apparently fly ash is very useful in concrete. So that was good. I was really into it. I was not bored reading a 500 page about, book about concrete. So I recommend it. And since then, I've been reading the autobiography of Genesis Peorage called non-binary. Genesis Peorage, of course, is the, So uh, one of the creative forces behind Comb Transmissions, then Throbbing Gristle, then Psychic TV. uh, Sort of one of the founders of industrial music and Psychic TV, along with Chris and Cozy and Peter Christopherson. And uh, it is one of those books where I would apply that term I recently used, eminent critique, where you judge a material. Thank you, Joan Robinson biography and Keynes's circle of people at Cambridge for teaching me this term. You judge a piece of writing based on its own and internal logic and words and not against other things, not comparatively, not ad hominem, right? Uh, not comparatively, not against the person, just the words on the page and what they say and whether they're coherent and logical. And it kind of, I feel like his editor and ghostwriter did them a disservice, so I gotta get the pronouns right, and uh, it's not a good look, it's not a good look, even if you're a fan, and I have been a fan for my whole life, uh, Psychic TV was on Wax Racks Records, as we've talked about before, I first heard them in the 80s, uh, I first saw them in the very early 90s, and I last saw them with some of their last shows in Brooklyn, uh, for 30 years, I would go see that band play. <laughs> I saw Throbbing Gristle reunion. I've seen, I've seen Genesis do, uh, rituals on stage. I've watched Genesis get their genitals pierced, <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. But, uh, yeah, reading the book, I was just like, this does not seem like a good person. Even just based on their own words, there's some problems here. Uh, I do not like the way that the women were treated in the book. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, one thing I'm doing is I'm going to now read uh, Cozy Fanny Tootie's bio- autobiography, who was uh, his girlfriend at the time and one of the co-founders of Thuram and Gristle. I think that'll help. I like to read when things seem a little dodgy. I like to read them from multiple angles. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and then there's a whole passage with Rick Rubin. I knew about this instance, but it's sort of before the internet, so you never really got any first-hand accounts. Uh, and I could never really figure out why it was there. But uh, basically, Rick Rubin who we just mentioned as the guy that was interviewing Paul McCartney, used to own a record label called American Recordings. It was the second record label after Deaf American. He's one of the most successful producers of all time, uh, from the Beastie Boys to Johnny Cash, right? Uh, Anyway, he was, uh, Love and Rockets were on his label, and they were recording at his house, and there was a big fire. And Genesis was there to help Love and Rockets out at Rick Rubin's behest, And there was a fire and Genesis and David J, the bass player of Love and Rockets, huge fan, were trapped in an upstairs room. They had to jump out the window. Uh, David got down. No problem. Genesis jumped and slipped and fell and was severely injured. Eventually had to (laughs) sue Rick Rubin for money to pay the exorbitant medical bills. <laughs> so it's funny to see Rick Rubin make an appearance again. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. This book isn't sitting well with me. I, at first, when I was first reading it. I was like, oh, Squatters Movement London. and Oh, Dedicating Your Life to Art. And oh, My Fancy House. And oh, I don't make enough art anymore. And I need to sacrifice it all. And blah, blah, blah. And by the end, I was like, you know, showers are all right. <laughs> That's an exaggeration. But I, I started to get kind of offended with the belittling of non-artists and I started even other artists you know they'd be like there's a part of the book where they belittled the talent of every other member of New Order and then in the next passage talked about how they were just learning bass I'm like so you're just learning to play bass meanwhile Peter Hook has influenced an entire generation of bass players but he had no talent okay I'm not into this or like just the way he talks about his children's mom and like I don't know I just it didn't sit well with me some things don't belong in a book there's too much grudge settling I felt like there's a lot of grudge settling I didn't like it I'm not actually done I still have like 10 pages left but uh it was interesting in a lot of ways uh I don't consider it time wasted uh I have to think about it and I I, it's going to be sort of a topic I explore a little bit more as I move into the cozy book about it thanks for listening this was mayhaps not my finest episode i've been a little down this week last week but i promise you i will be back better than ever for the next episode thank you so much for listening drop a line say hi let me know how you're doing i hope you're doing okay and i will talk to you guys soon take care